0: Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here talking about human rights, justice, and fighting the good fight, something our guest is almost genetically predisposed to do and excels with such vigor, determination, and an intrepid spirit. She's the president of the Robert F. Kennedy Center for Justice and Human Rights. Honored guest today here at Harvard, we welcome the very eloquent and alliterative Carrie Kennedy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's such a funny introduction I've never been called alliterative before yeah. there you go let Carrie be, Kennedy let this be your first
0: <laughs> now your journey to the ed school is sort of unique uh, it was a chat with our Dean McCartney and how does a chat I think it was in maybe New York yes. that how does that turn into a, a an about to be internationally broadcast <laughs> and live streamed Harvard forum
1: <laughs> well actually it's very funny because my dear friend John Ledecky um invited me to have a drink in a bar and uh, i uh, thirsty as i was accepted immediately and i walked in and he said and he was standing next to these two women and I, he said what are you up to and i had just come from a meeting about bullying and so i spoke at length uh, I think in a ten-minute monologue about the importance of addressing bullying in our schools, and um, these two women said, "Oh, well, we would like to partner with you." And I said, "Oh, well, what's what's your name?" And one of them was Kathy, the head of the Ed School, and the other one was Cynthia, Lady Gaga's mother. So, <laughs> just <laughs> typical people you run into st- every day. Exactly. So it was uh, it was quite fortuitous and. Um, we've just spent the last hour and a half talking about how to collaborate together, not only on bullying, but on uh, building communities within schools, um, building uh, justice, and, and really working with students um, to make them human rights defenders. Um, and, and to feel that they can stand up and, and create change in their communities.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that word defenders. It seems like the, the work uh, of the, you know, the center is greatly uh, ubiquitous is the word defender. What is a defender? And, and you as president, how are you interacting with defenders around the world?
1: Um, well, the, the way we see this is that in, in any uh, massive human rights, you know, series of human rights violations, from bullying in schools to genocide, um, we see four actors. There is the perpetrator, there's the victim, there's the bystanders, and there are the defenders. The defenders are the people who stand up. Um, They are the people of courage, and I look at courage as involving two different things, um, bravery and uh, compassion. So bravery is doing something that you're afraid of. All of us are brave. Um, anybody who went to first grade and left mom behind when you really were scared and did not want to go in that building, that was that was bravery, that was-
0: Or went to college and left mom behind, well,
1: that's, myself. <laughs> that's another thing altogether, yeah. Or, or went to a, a, took a test for which you were not prepared. That was brave, because you did it. Um, but uh but if you add compassion to that then you are doing something brave for the for the for the greater good of the community not in order to enhance your own well-being um, but to do it for the community and that's who our human rights defenders are that's that's uh martin luther king and Mahatma gandhi and Ali Wiesel and others um so our quest is to help kids who have inherent bravery and inherent compassion to put those together and become human rights defenders.
0: You know, the, the name of your talk today is Speak Truth to Power. And that's obviously a book title, and it's a project title. I mean, where is the origin of that phrase coming from? And then how do you do that?
1: Well, the phrase um, was coined by the Quaker community in the 1950s um, in a booklet justifying their support of the civil rights movement. But really, it, I love it because it describes exactly what we are trying to do and the type of people we work with, people who Uh, who are willing to speak truth in the face of power despite the consequences. And and if
0: you go to the website, there's a big thing that says teachers and students on the top of it. And and you click on it, and it's all of this curriculum, material, and guides, and resources for teachers and parents and and for students. A lot of our listeners are from the education community. If they go there, what, what can they expect, and how can they utilize this?
1: Well, first of all, it's all free. So go to the Speak Truth to Power website or go to the... Uh, RFK Center website and download this all immediately. Um, What we we do is we identify um, people who are the Martin Luther Kings of their countries, and some of them are well known, like Archbishop Tutu, uh, uh, winners of the Nobel Peace Prize, for instance, and then most of them are not well known beyond the boundaries of their countries, but they talk about certain issues like trafficking or child labor in chocolate in the chocolate fields for instance um or uh or other bullying as as well um and then we give teachers specific things that they can teach about in the classroom places for further study and then the 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 part about this curriculum that's so important is called Become a Defender, and that's our training program. So it is both the intellectual side and the practical side. We show kids what they can do in their classroom, their community, their country, and globally to impact change on those human rights issues. And by doing that on one issue, we find that kids, when they look themselves in the mirror, see a human rights defender when they look back and that's so vitally important to their sense of self-esteem, to their um, participation in the classroom uh, to their grade point average and to everything else in life.
0: Is there a particular country or case where this curriculum is really having a great impact and I'm curious how you measure success in this sort of line of work.
1: Well it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just talking um, with, with your colleagues here at Harvard about how to measure success. One of my favorite um, teachers, it was an 8th grade English teacher called Pam O'Brien in Long Island and she teaches in a school that has more languages than any other school district in New York. Uh, About 90 percent of the kids are on on, uh, free lunch. Um, And so she was an eighth grade English teacher, um, and her first assignment was to teach poetry. So she gave the kids information about Robert Kennedy, who's the senator from New York, and about Kids in chocolate, uh, picking cocoa beans for chocolate for export to the United States and elsewhere. About 70% of the chocolate we eat here is made by child labor or child slaves. Um, So they had to write poems about, from the perspective of a child slave, to Robert Kennedy. Uh, And they were really. It was great, because it was empathy and poetry. And in almost perfect iambic pentameter, they wrote these very compassionate poems. Um, But the kids said, we want to do more. And the next assignment was expository writing. And so she gave them each the name and address of the heads of Hershey's and Mars and Cadbury. And the kids then wrote um, letters to each of them, persuasive essays. Uh, And then the, then it was about um, Halloween and the kids said, well, we want to do something more. So they got five by eight index cards and they scotch taped information about child labor to the index cards. And then they taped on a piece of fair trade chocolate saying there's a solution and you can be part of the solution just by fair trade instead of those other chocolates. And then at at Halloween, they did reverse trick-or-treat. So when somebody handed them a Hershey's bar, they handed back the postcard and said, please read this. And so this was a very empowering series of lessons, not just one, you know, throw it in there and leave. And um, both the teacher and the uh, the principal of that school said it was really transformative for that classroom that bullying decreased markedly, that um, a sense of community was enhanced, and that students uh, became very, very interested in school.
0: With all the new issues coming up in bullying becoming something that's, they just made a movie about it and it's something that's being talked about, ha- has that shifted the the emphasis on some of the work at the center and how it, how are your goals affected by those?
1: Well, I think that um we see this on a as a continuum so uh you know in a sense, a dictator is nothing but a bully high school you know or a grade school bully with a with a lot more um heft <laughs> you a know lot. with an entire army <laughs> at his side um but really the the way we see this is um is a way to allow students to understand broader human rights, well, uh, broader human rights issues, from a perspective that's very very real in their lives. On the one hand, on the other hand, to understand that those uh, broad human rights issues, international human rights issues, are um, are not unrelated. To what they face every day, and uh, by having an impact, say on the death penalty, they might also have an impact on something that's happening in their home or their neighborhood or their or their classroom.
0: Last couple minutes of the podcast, we usually like to get to know your questions. Oh dear! So get (laughs) ready, get ready, Um, you're about to give a big speech in front of hundreds of people at Harvard. and it's, it's, You're nothing new to speeches, but y- y- I leave the room, and you take out your iPhone, and you put in your earbuds, and you put your earbuds in your ears. What song gets you pumped up for a Harvard lecture?
1: Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I like Bruno Mars, uh, and I like Born This Way. Um and I You like could also
0: say I listen to Maya Angelou poetry. Yeah no,
1: <laughs> I don't. I mean, I like her. <laughs> um but I uh I I like anything by the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Um
0: Is is that a, is there a process that you usually do before each speech or each talk or something something to kind of get you poised and ready or is it just you, you go in there and you
1: Oh no, well, I say a little prayer. And I say a prayer um saying if If I'm supposed to stand up and make a fool of myself because that's what you want, then let me do that and do that fully. And if you want something else, let me do that. Um, But let me serve you, God, and and not me. I want to be what you need me to be to get your message across or to learn the lesson I'm supposed to learn today.
0: We're both a little teary eyed right now. <laughs> you can't tell, it's just audio. <laughs> <laughs> Second question um, Brown University is playing Harvard University in football. Oh. You, you walk down <laughs> JFK Street through JFK Park <laughs> over to the stadium. Uh, Carrie, who are you rooting for?
1: Well, I like the street <laughs> <laughs> and I like the park. Uh, but you know, I, I went to Brown, so I got to be for Brown.
0: Fair enough. Uh, last question. You're you're part of a famous family, obviously. Uh, let's say you can't be part of the Kennedys. You have to choose between these other two famous families. Are you part of the Ozzy Osbourne family, <laughs> or are you part of the Kardashian family? Oh Kim and company. <laughs> I think you I'd don't be, have to answer I, that. I think
1: I'd have to be adopted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Fair enough, Carrie. Well, thank you very much for Carrying on the EdCast today, we, we usually do like to get our guests, you know, they, they spend 12 or 15 minutes with us today, uh, a, a gift to sort of thank them for their, their time here today. And we had Oprah on the show about a month ago, and we had a little gift underneath her chair, kind of like what she does for her show. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was riding my bike, and I was passing Brattle Street, and there was a, there was a pair of tattered rosary beads on the road. And I drove by them, and I stopped about a quarter mile down, I said, I can't just leave them there. Yeah, that's and true. I, and I turned around and I brought up Catholic, still Catholic, and ran over, biked over, picked them up, and put them on my bike. and this This afternoon, I forgot my bike lock, and I had to bring my bike into my office, and I'm sitting there at three o'clock today thinking, what do I get Carrie Kennedy? <laughs> and I looked at my bike with the tattered rosary beads still along the the handlebars, and I said, you know what, the work that she does is sort of similar to me going back and picking up tattered rosary beads, the work she does around the world, and I know you're Catholic, and I'd like to give this to you, <laughs> Carrie you're Kennedy. Kidding. And I put them in That's a protective so case sweet. so you don't... Have to touch I them. Who knows know. who touched them before no, him? But oh,
1: I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you oh, for uh, thank you for the work that you, you do know, for that's wonderful for our you know our
0: our country and our world. I love that.
1: Thank you. Well, I, I wrote uh, I wrote two books. One is um, Speak Truth to Power, as you mentioned. The other is Being Catholic Now. So um, this is actually really perfect for me. I I appreciate that. Thank you put them to good use. This is the
0: Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.